Welcome to another episode of Rockstar Violinist, uh, Rockstar Chillist, the podcast from Electric Violin Shop that brings you the smoothest string players alive. My name is Matt Bell, and I'm your host. If you listen to some of our earlier episodes, you heard Shauna Tucker on the other side of the microphone. She hosted several episodes in our first season, but her touring schedule has gotten so busy she doesn't have time to interview anymore. I have the pleasure of being able to hang out with Shauna when she's not on the road. She's the staff cellist at Electric Violin Shop. We played together a few times and hung out at each other's houses. I can tell you that Shauna is not only an insanely talented cellist, singer, songwriter, teacher, and entertainer, she's also an amazingly delightful person to be around. Can you tell I'm a fan? Anyway, she was in town a few weeks ago and had a rare morning off, so I drove over to her beautiful new pad in Raleigh and recorded this. I hope you enjoy my chat with Shauna Tucker, rock star cellist. The thing is, like, your music is such a reflection of who you are. Yeah. And that's a really big compliment. Thanks. <laughs> so it is a reflection of who you are and where you came from, and I guess we always ask people, hey, okay, tell me how you started and yeah. maybe that's a trite question, but it really does inform where you are. Um, yeah, it is. It, I, I wouldn't say it's trite. It, I think it's probably like a like like the standard question that most often starts chronologically, you know. But I feel like um, the more I get asked that question, the more I'm, I realize that that my music. Um, isn't necessarily a uh, uh, a result of the chronological. Well, I started playing cello when I was eleven, and um, because it really kind of clicked for me when I was in um, college um, at Howard um, in Washington D.C. That was the first time that I had come in contact with real jazz. You know, like high school was. We had a jazz. Uh, vocal ensemble but it was like anytime you have the solo that's written out and it says dwee ba do bow yeah. and that's supposed to be scat that's not that's not jazz you know oh it was and I didn't know because no one in my family you know I'm the only musician in my family um I'm the only uh I'm the only professional musician in my family um uh there was a lot of singing in my house, but it was like singing. Um, well, my mom, the, my mom is in her room, and the flute that's playing in the background is that okay? Yeah. Okay. So the singing that was happening was like you know almost like made up jingles, like casual jingles about you know going to get a dog from the shelter today. Right. Yeah. You know or. Um, my mom would sing this song uh, when my brother and I were really little and she'd come into the room and she'd be like marching and she'd be like, oh, how I hate to get up in the morning, you know. And then she'd be like, mommy's mean, she's not nice, and her fingers are like ice. And she'd put her fingers on her, on her stomachs, you know. That was like basically our alarm. <laughs> I know, she was, she's, she's a trip. Um, but it wasn't... Um, it wasn't until I got to Howard that I that I understood that that music is um, so much more than just Long Island String Festival and all county and all state. Um, and it was uh, at least for cello, 
more than classical and that you can do more things, many, many more things off the page by just figuring out what your voice is, you know? Um, I mean, I started, I started playing violin when I was nine and um, I just, it didn't agree with me, darling. <laughs> oh, it didn't agree with me. It was, it was, it was, it was the bad news bears, man. Like, I just was not, I mean, I, I, I probably was better than my, my memory uh, tells me, but I just remember how I felt about it. And I was like, I, I want to be in orchestra and I want to make music. And right now this is it, but this instrument is, is biting me every chance that it gets. Um, and so when I got to junior high school and there were like 8,000 violins and two cellos, and the orchestra teacher was like, we need to balance the sound. So I was like, I will try anything but this. Um, and it was, it was a different story, you know? It's like, oh, this actually is fun. This actually sounds good. This actually, like, yes, this is a big, giant instrument that I got to walk uphill both ways. <laughs> you, <laughs> you thought know? the violin was fighting you. Oh, no, God. <laughs> And that was back in the day. That was back in the day before backpack straps. So I had to like, you know, walk around with it like it was like my best friend, you know, right. like it's stupid with my book bag. And it was dumb in New York. It's cold. It didn't. But I don't know. It didn't matter. It was kind of like that was like my thing, you know. And so I, I guess cello became um, a part of my identity like fairly early on. Um but it, it, it wasn't until, like, I guess I was probably over, or at least close to 21, something, closer to being an adult than a child. Then I, that's when I realized that, that the cello was more than just a classical instrument. Um, I had seen um, Uptown String Quartet. They came to Howard to do a master class, and I saw these um, beautiful black women like wearing these like flowy outfits and and playing classical music or one piece and then they would switch into this you know this groove that was like a James Brown bass line the, the cellist Eileen Polson and they're all just like looking at each other and like talking to each other through the music and there was music on yeah. their on their you know on their stands but there was a lot more eye contact and a lot more body language going on and i was like oh my god <laughs> Wait, that's what? me. Yeah. I see me. Oh, this is this is what I'm. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. That right there, right? That's awesome. So that that was a light bulb moment. Yeah, that was definitely a defining moment um, in in deciding that it was um, that performing music was something that. And I that was in DC. I was in DC because um, I was a, a, a arts administration or music uh, entertainment law like. Mm. like pre-major. I don't remember how you define them. It's probably arts administration, but I certainly wasn't a performance major at the You're time. You're going to go be a lawyer. I was going to go be a lawyer. I was going to I was going to support the artists because I couldn't I knew what I definitely didn't want to do. I definitely didn't want to play Saint-Saëns as a or any cello concerto because um that just kind of stressed me out, you know? I didn't want to take beta blockers to be ready for anything. I didn't want to um, deal with what I perceived as the 
the whole vibe and the whole scene of um, classical. Yeah. I'm doing this with my hands because I'm like, uh, right. I don't know what that's called. You know, I just knew that, that it just didn't feel good to me. So I wasn't really interested in, in doing that. But I did want to support art however I could. Um, and I mean, we know each other, so you know I'm very social. <laughs> you know, there's. <laughs> So the networking thing. Yeah, I feel like you know everybody. I don't know. If, I don't know everybody, but I will. I I don't mind meeting everybody. You know. Right. Hey, how's it going? I'm Shauna. Nice to meet you. What's your name? Oh, okay. Say it again. Okay. Yeah, that's not an act. Mm -mm. No, I'm just I'm very I'm, I'm a butterfly. <laughs> so you saw this group and were like, oh my god, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. They, um, Uptown String Quartet invited, or they asked if there were any string players in the audience. And I was like, me, you know, like on a game show, me, yeah. me, 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 me. <laughs> and, uh, then they were like, do you have your acts? And this was like first semester. So I didn't really know what they meant. Acts. It was an accent. And someone whispered, do you have your instrument with you? And I was like, yeah. oh, yes, yes, yes. So I went to, I went up. With my instrument, um, they asked, so it was like, I think there were two of us in the audience that, that were going to play. I didn't know, clearly I didn't know what I was, I mean, not clearly, but in retrospect, I didn't realize that what they were asking in terms of coming up on stage, that I was totally not prepared to do, right? Except that I had the willingness to do it, but sure. I did not have the, 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 the knowledge. And here's why. Um... They were playing, uh, I wish I could remember, I blocked it out probably because of stress, but <laughs> get up on stage and I hear, I see that they have music and I'm thinking that, you know, I'm just excited to see what these, what this part is going to look like. And it wasn't a part. It was a chart. It was a chart. I had no idea what chord changes meant. Uh, I knew if there was an A, a B, a C, a D, like that was like a section of the song. That right. wasn't like a chord, a chord. right? <laughs> well, I don't know what, you know, sharp, nine, flat, 11, add, slash. I don't know what any of that means, right? And I'm fully expecting there to be like notes. And there were some notes to indicate the melody sure. or the head now that I know what, what this part is, right? And then, you know, repeat signs that say, like, solo over the form. And I just looked, and I had my bow, and my, my I was on, you know, like, yeah. in play position. And my hand, left hand, play position. And I'm looking at my, <laughs> my eyes, been like, and I'm smiling. And then my smile slowly starts to fade. Watch I'm people just die like, inside. <laughs> oh, God. It was, it was, oh, I think maybe if that song was five minutes, it was five hours to me, right? Shirt under under arms and chest just turned a whole different color. You That's know? awesome. It was it was, and the thing is, like they they played. And I probably could have sight read it, you know, because I was all feeling myself, thinking I'm like the bomb. I can sight read. Ooh, it's nothing to sight read. Right. Or I should say, nothing for me to sight read. And um, Tanya uh, was a violinist, and she's totally in her element because she improvises and she's all jazzy and just, you know, doing her neck like this. And like Regina Carter, you know, playing like that. And um, so then they start the solos. 
Ooh. And they start <laughs> they start with the violins. They go around and around. They get to viola. Maxine Roach, Max Roach's daughter, mm-hmm. is playing her little, you know, playing, making viola sound lovely. No offense, violas. I'm just saying, <laughs> making it sound very jazzy and lovely. Okay, I'll say that. Oh, I got to my part, and I didn't play anything. I played nothing. I there was nothing. I didn't even know what key we were in, like because you know, on a chart, sure, is no. You know, there's no keys. Yeah, there's no key signature. There's no key signature. It's just, oh, it was bad. So, solo over the form, the entire form. I'm sitting there again. I told you, play position, not playing a thing. And they're just being supportive. And Eileen is like, just just play the changes. Even if you just play like the letter, just play that. And I was like, So then she plays and she's doing a hug, boom, 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 it sound like a bass and sounding amazing and using the bow too. And I was just like, oh, I just wanted to cry. I'm she's sure. Like, this mess is harder than it looks, ain't it? <laughs> oh my gosh. I think she, I think, like, I think they all understood, you know, this child is coming up. It's probably 17 or 18, something like that. Never played a lick of jazz in my life. And um, then afterwards, uh, one of the jazz students came up after and he put his arm around me and he was like it was a sly like a slow silent nod and he's like great solo (laughs) 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 he played me so bad I will never forget that but I'm telling you after that I was like I'm not I'm not getting on stage in that kind of environment without knowing something about something right and that's really like for me, it was like the first time that, that it hit me that sight reading is cool, but what if there's no music? Like, right. what about using your sensibilities, what you know about, you know, what you hear, and even asking what key it's in, and then knowing what that means. <laughs> what an awesome story. Let's take a quick break here and enjoy a tune of hers called No Get Back. you that you didn't look at that and go well that's not for me oh god you look at that and went I gotta know how to do this I gotta know I gotta know I gotta know because if it I think if I hadn't had such a love for jazz um I just I had to know you know like I was just like finding a code that you're deciphering like you have to know how to do that and yeah sure I was embarrassed <laughs> Oh, I was mortified, you know, I was like, this is, but those are like, I, I feel in a lot of ways like that is like the, um, that's the way that jazz initiates, you know, it's like being jumped into a gang, 
you kind of got to be shamed a little bit. Oh, you're going to get a hand it to you the first couple hundred times. <laughs> yeah. And, and every time there's a new environment that is like, go, it feels like growth. Like um, it, it, that's almost like the, the, the only way into growth is to get to a place where you are, you know, challenged and stretched and perhaps mortified a little bit. Yeah. You know? I have a friend who's a comedian, and he said the thing about comedy is you can't really practice comedy mm-hmm. in your room. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I can't sit at home and practice my bits. I have to practice these in front of people. Mm-hmm. And guess what you're going to do the first couple hundred times? You're going to eat it. <laughs> you sure are. But that's the thing about improv, too, right? Mm-hmm. Is like, you can technically practice improv in your house. Yeah. But improving at home and improving on a stage are different. two very, very different things. It's night and day. It's night and day. It's the factors, the same factors of, <clears throat> I mean, performance, live performance in general. You can practice and practice and practice by yourself with the ensemble, and you can prepare. But the energy that the room brings when there's nobody else in it but you and, and, and your band the energy in the room when people come, you know, when the audience is there, the, the the time of day, like just there's so many different factors that 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 factor into your performance. It's uh, and you can do the same set, you can do this the song this like the same way. Maybe solos are different, you know. There's always going to be something different. Sure. Um. So is that what attracted you to jazz? No. Um, jazz, like seconds, sevenths, ninths, elevenths, all chords, clusters, and mm. crunchy, and um, sensuality, and um, mysterioso, and it just feels like that like jazz translates the human condition, at least as far as I'm concerned, a lot more um, effectively um, than you know four chord pop. Um, which Just the complexity of it. I think, I think so. I think, I think. Um, but when I say complexity, I mean like you can, you can play a complex chord in three notes. You know, mm-hmm. like if you have a second here. And then you add, a, I don't know, maybe a sixth to it, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much to be um, really involved. Right. <laughs> um, and I don't, you know, so there's, a, to be clear, there's a lot of jazz that is above me and beyond me, right? Um, I, have, I have a book. Um, Youssef Latif has this repository of scales and melodic patterns for bass clef instruments. Um, hi. This is, uh, this essentially is like David Popper's high school of cello playing now for me, right? There's not necessarily etudes, but there's interpolations, right? And there's all of these like Dorian scale patterns and Chinese scale patterns, super diatonic scales. What are you talking about? What is that? You know, but this is, I, I want to know what, where this sound, where jazz lives on my instrument. Sure. Um, yeah. And part of it, I think, is getting, 
it under your fingers, and then part of it is getting it into your ears and into your head, right? Yes, it is. Well, yes. Yes, and um, part of it is understanding what is already in you and doing the reverse effect, you know? Like, um, when I write, a lot of times I'm like, what is this? What is this chord? Right? I can play the chord for you. I don't know what it actually right. is. Um, so, you know, it's like, I guess it's almost like like doing a reverse um, 23andMe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your DNA is there. You just have to find out, or maybe just a regular, you know, 23andMe for jazz. You just have to find out who, who, who what your tribe is. You, and now that you know, like, then you just sort of backtrack and find out, you know, more. And figure out what the language is and how to speak it. It's kind of like when I took physics. They they tell you that you know you know instinctively because you've lived on Earth mm -hmm. that if you drop a ball, it's mm -hmm. going to accelerate till it hits the ground. Mm -hmm. And then they give you an equation. You go, oh, well, we can put math to that now. Right. I already right. I already knew what was going to happen. Right. But now we can we can describe it. Right. It's a uh, jazz is and the the other thing about jazz for me. Um, it's, it's just like, ne there's no, there's not a, ne there's, it's a never ending quest, you know. Um, I learned about uh, M Bass um, early, uh, Steve Coleman, and learned that Cassandra Wilson, one of my favorite vocalists, was a contemporary or a part of that camp in New York when, you know, just exploring how um, to, to make music, to make a statement when everybody's on a different one and there's alternate um, or um, odd meters and and there's it's not about telling a lyrical story while people are you know skipping through the woods and it's going to end happily and it it's not that it is um, expression and <clears throat> um, explanations and you know, all different types of punctuation that different people, everybody doesn't land on an exclamation point. Some people have an ellipsis, right? It's a dot, dot, dot to someone, semicolon, you know, that doesn't all happen at once. It's not, it's just we're expressing at the same time, individually, collectively, and there's all of this, you know, ebb and flow and expansion and micro, macro that's happening. Mm -hmm. um, that's part of the, me kind of thing. But perhaps it's because I was so young that I needed to live a little to understand why that's even a thing, why right. people even have to express themselves in that way. Here's a live cut from a concert Shauna did in North Carolina. The tune is Be Still My Beating Heart. This is some live improvisation.
as a cellist, you're also known as a singer. How, how do those two journeys sort of meet up where they did? Um, <coughs> well, I went to school, I, I went to school to study cello. Mm -hmm. And um, while there, <laughs> while I was there, I mean, like in high school, I, would, I was singing and playing cello too. Um, but um, when I was at Howard, I met up um, with two other women who, the, the group was originally a trio, and then one of the women left the group um, to transfer to another, another school. Um, but the trio was piano trio, um, and I replaced the violin with another cello, so two cellos, piano, and everybody sang. Mm. And I could harmonize, because, you know, we're sitting here singing about, you know, God is gravy, let's eat, let's eat chocolate cake, you know, yeah. or whatever. My mom, bless her heart, she can, she's a, she's a functional chef. <laughs> she's a sustainable chef. It means the rice is not always going to not right. be you burnt. Gotta, you got to fill your belly. <laughs> you That's important. Fill your belly. Yeah. That's right. And so when it was actually good, oh, me and my brother would be singing about it. <laughs> we would sing the blessing, and we'd be all, mm, "We thank you for this food," you know. So there was harmony growing up. I knew how to do that. And when I um, started performing with the group, is uh, group's name is Hugh. Um, and I started performing with Hugh, that's when I realized that, A, it's possible to sing and play cello at the same time. Not the most easy, it's not hard. the easiest thing I've ever done. Probably more one of the most difficult things, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but the, the mm, understanding that there are stories, different stories that you can tell on each in instrument, voice and cello, um, a story that can be enhanced with cello, accompanying myself on cello while singing, um, which sidebar that has lent to a, a lazier cello playing experience <laughs> because trying to remember what I'm saying vocally mm -hmm. uh, and then accompanying it and listening to yeah. both and trying to be in tune. <gasps> There's a lot I feel of like I, going on. I feel like I can be <laughs> expressive with either my voice or my instrument, mm -hmm. but not. It's man, it's hard to do both simultaneously. Yes, it is. It's it's that's why I have such respect for. I mean, Esperanza does it. Esperanza Spalding does it effortlessly. Um, I have recently had the pleasure of um, making the acquaintance of uh, Katie Thoreau, who's a bassist in L.A. Um, and we're going to be playing with each other for my Southern California tour. Nice. Yes. She is amazing. Like, I just, it, I don't understand how your brain can just, you can take a machete to your brain. No, I won't do it. I, I don't, I, maybe one day. That's also like a life journey, you know? Sure. Maybe one day when I have time to practice like that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I write songs, you know, I tell stories through my lyrics and the cello is a beautiful accompaniment um, I have gotten out of practice in having it be the storyteller um, hashtag goals mm. <laughs> hashtag goals but I used to be a cellist who sings and now I'm a singer who plays cello you know 
I'm not trying to balance a singing cellist. That's the goal. Sure. Singing cellist. So you, as a singer, you'd actually been on stage at the Apollo <laughs> early in your life, right? <laughs> You're from New York. Do people, I don't know if everybody knows what the deal is with the Apollo. Okay. Do you want to explain? Or no, this is all you. You've been there okay. several, several times. times. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yes, I am from New York. Uh, I grew up in Amityville, New York, which is on Long Island. Long Island. It's not Long. It's Long Island. Um, and uh, in high school, senior year, uh, me and, and three of my besties, <clears throat> who just sang... Thought we could sing. We we could. We could. We 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 could do it. We could do it. We had dance moves and everything. Um, yeah, we uh called ourselves auditioning for Amateur Night at the Apollo. Um, which I believe happens Wednesday Tuesday or Wednesday night, I don't remember. It's midweek. And um it is a <sighs> if if you ever watched uh was it Sparta or Gladiator or yeah. something where everybody's in the, the Coliseum? It's like the comments section of YouTube. <laughs> except like you can comments. actually look at these people. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like the comments, except you're not watching a video. You are seeing these people live. People go to YouTube. I'm here for the comments, right? Mm. These people are here. Some people go, and I, I'm telling you now as an adult, pretty sure that a lot of people go after they've had a hard day, hard week at work, they look forward mm. to going there just to boo. They end up, because in our situation, we didn't get to sing. We got out there with our little matching dresses and our shoes dyed from Baker's was a thing back in the day. Let me tell you something. We got, we got on that stage and it got one good dance move out before the first boo! <laughs> yeah, it was bad. It was bad. It was so embarrassing. It was so embarrassing because... You know, high school. Right. Everybody take, knew we were going. Much. Yeah. God, high school. They had they put us on the announcements. They had us singing. You know, like on Greece when you had ding ding ding. Like oh, we sang goodness. a little yeah. something on the loudspeaker, and so everybody wanted to come home. You know, this was in the '90s, so there was no YouTube or no right. like social media. So you had to wait for somebody's account. Mm. We probably could have lied, but we weren't going to be on nobody's Showtime. Nobody was seeing us on TV at all. Mm. So yeah, I got I got I got booed off. But then you made a triumphant return. I did. Tell us about that. My triumphant return was only uh what? Like a month ago, right? It was well it was it was in it was a couple of months ago, but um but it was years, I was like years and years and years. Um I was uh headlining my very own show. Uh, Apollo Music Cafe, um, which is this cabaret theater that is just above the theater in the same four walls. So I can technically say, yes, I sold out of the Apollo. Thanks, Skippy. Music Cafe. The Apollo Music Cafe. Um, anyway, <laughs> I was going to say it fast. Mm -hmm, the Apollo Music Cafe. Yes. So anyway, right. But sidebar trivia room that uh, James Brown recorded his live at the Apollo album in that room. Mm. See? He used the Apollo hey, as a if thing. If it's good enough for James Brown. This one time. Yeah, right. So, um... Hit <laughs> me! Yes. So he, I mean, I, um... Yeah, I was, I was there uh, in November. My name was on the marquee. On the marquee. Yes. 
as my own name. I wasn't like opening for anybody. Um, and I waited until like maybe my second to last song to say, okay, so I would like to tell you all a story. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm waiting because I want to make sure that Sandman does not come with his little cane or with his shuffling and tap dancing and try to take me off the stage because back then I was auditioning, didn't even get to audition and got booed off. And now full circle, here I am headlining a show that I was invited to do that I'm actually getting paid to do. Thank you. You've been wonderful. Good night. And then they had you back. <laughs> and then they had me back. Yeah. They, um, someone had the, the, the good, uh, foresight, insight, someone, an angel just said, you know, I think you should perform for the board of directors, um, holiday party. So you have a different set of eyes and ears. And it really, you know, that's not specifically that um, invitation or that experience, but it's experiences like that um, paired with the 10,000 hours, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be ready and show up and show and prove, but it also takes... You know, it, it takes a village, you know, it's like you can, like you were talking about practicing improvisation in your home, in your own home. It's a totally different story when you're out in public. With this industry, success is not just about what you can do. Um, it's about your ability to have, to, to, to have um, some, someone that sees you, right? And then starts running in mouth. <laughs> yeah. Run, tell that, right? Um, it's a combination, a healthy combination of both. There's a lot of people that that just have people talking, 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 and then when they show up, you're like, hmm, okay, I guess um, maybe it's not for me, you right. know, when really it's like, uh, and then you have people that are like, you need to know, I guess, is that what is that a 21st century called, an influencer? Yeah, sure. I don't know. I prefer to call it an angel. Somebody that's really like, you need to hear this person. <clears throat> the um, the host of the, or the curator of the series that I, where I performed, um, suggested to the board of directors that they have me come and perform. That's a person people listen to. That's a person people listen to. And so I show up and I do my thing. And we'll see what 2020 yeah. has... Because there were people in the room that were definitely, oh, what's, hi, I'm such and such. Who are you? I mean, not who are you, but I'm such and such. Right. I want to know more about what you do. You know, where are you performing next? How can I say, let's talk after this. Here's my card. And it wasn't like schmoozy stuff. It was more like actual. Yeah, like, yeah they cared. Yeah. Yeah. So your project is, I tell people when they ask about you, well, her project is called Chamber Soul, hmm. which tells you a lot. Mm -hmm. So maybe give us the, not elevator pitch, what, what, we'll call it a really <laughs> long elevator ride, you know, yeah. five, ten minute explanation of Chamber really Soul tall, and how, really it, tall building. <laughs> how it came to be and what it is. Yeah, so Chamber Soul, um, the word, capital C, capital S, one mm -hmm. word, right? Chamber Soul um, is a result of me having to explain all the things that my music is not, right? And I was just like, let's just make it, you know, 
like I did study classically, but I'm not a classical cellist. And I do improvise, but kind of cringe when people say she's a jazz cellist because, like I said, I'm still exploring the vast world of jazz on my instrument. So I'm not ready to claim that. But there are a lot of improvisational elements. And I perform a lot with jazz musicians. And the soulfulness um, comes from, you know, the, the interaction of where it originates and where I would like it to end. You know, my, my stories um, are not just... My experiences are shared experience. I know I'm not the only person who has fallen in love and fallen out of love and, you know... Um, experienced this thing we're, we're human beings like there's not it's, we're very complex human sure. beings but we experience a lot of the same things um, and so if what I'm saying and I mean it you know from my core resonates somewhere similar in you then that's the soulfulness of it it's not Otis Redding or Riri um, or James Brown I mean, maybe a little. It's not intentional. Yeah, there's a soulfulness to it, yes. Yeah. Um, but as a genre, it's not me trying to put classical chamber music and soul music and put it together, you know? Um, the chamber element is the conversations that I was talking about with, you know, body language and um, through the music. If I say da 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 da, and then it goes somewhere into the drums go right and then you hear that and you don't say hey we did that together let's try that again no you just go da 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 and then people you know and it you're responding in a way that i remember when when i was doing a lot of chamber music is you know without conductor it's the conversation amongst the players awesome yeah. So what of your tunes do you feel like is maybe the best um, example of that? So there's a song that I recorded, um, the most recent song I recorded for myself. Um, it's called In the Moment. And um, it not only represents all that I was just talking about in terms of the soulfulness and the um, the conversations that happen within the music and between the musicians, but it is actually a chamber piece. It's okay. actually a chamber, um, a piece written for this kind of jazzy chamber ensemble that has a rhythm section of guitar, piano, uh, drums, bass, and percussion. Um, I added additional strings um, for with viola and another cellist. Um, and there's a flutist that kind of, she, she is like the, the most graceful hype man. Mm. <laughs> like she just sort of announces, Hey, you guys need to listen. This song is about to tell this story. And she, um, Nicole Mitchell is her name. Um, she just sort of like floats over and dances like a, like a dragonfly, you know, and it's like sort mm. of tropical forest of, um, of a, a reminder to be present and you know stop thinking about the what ifs and the should haves and just be just live in this moment and and celebrate it and not get so stressed about stressed out about stuff that happened or stuff that hasn't even happened yet 
Um, so what you'll hear in here is is a um, is a dance. It's a samba. I love Brazilian music, mm. um, but I don't speak Portuguese. <laughs> no, me, me neither. I discovered that when I went to Brazil. Actually. You're like, oh, yeah. I thought Spanish would be close. No, no. Italian is probably closer. Yeah. I think. Um, but you'll also recognize the the way that percussive rhythms are used in in Portuguese lyric. I tried to mirror that okay. with my English. So yeah, yeah, in the very moment. cool. Yeah. is a moment of clarity everybody knows when it's the right time to go oh do what you gotta do to preserve your sanity and let your true colors show we get all caught up in obligation and i have to do we let it stand in the way of all the little things that we want to do Saying to run away from responsibility, just balance accordingly. Oh, time won't give more time. Take what you got and make the most of it. It's not a second that's been promised you. So your first record was Shine. Yeah, my only record. Only record? I thought you had one. Mm -mm. Okay. Not yet. My only record. So, so what happened was, right, what happened, I was just talking about this recently um, about milestones and we were talking about the decades, you know, and wow, it's been a, it's 10 whole years. What are you going to do? Right. Yeah. Um, I released Shine independently in 2011. No. Yes, 2011. And um, then it got picked up by a jazz label, uh, Jazz Urbane, um, in 2015. And so they remastered it and we added a couple of tracks to it. Um, we added a couple of tracks to it and um, we uh, then released it. And so I don't know if that's technically I have two albums. 
I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Sure. I mean, whatever the answer sounds better for you at the time. I'm okay with it being, you know, Shine version 2.0. Yeah. I'm okay with that because, because it forces me to think about the reasons why and, you know, the intentionality of... Are you putting out music just because you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't put anything out since 2015. I can hurry up and put something out. Right. Or are you putting something out that when you have something to say, you know? So there's the latter for me when mm -hmm. I have something more to say. Um, and also like how an album fits into your, your life and the trajectory of what it is that you're doing professionally. And also the reality that um, if you're self-releasing an album, an album is expensive. Yeah. Like, hi. Hi. It's funny to me when people um, say, I applied for a grant to release a full-length CD. Uh, and oh, so how much was the grant for? Oh, it's for $1,500. I was like, <laughs> okay. What? Okay. Okay. That'll, that'll cover the mixing engineer. <sighs> for Almost. How many songs? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, maybe the master, no, maybe, I don't know, I don't know, but it's, it's just, um, the realities of releasing an album, there's a creative reality, creative slash artistic reality, and then there's a financial reality that, um, they're not prohibitive, they don't have to be prohibitive, it just has to make sense. Yeah. So, what was the... So we went a long way from the first time at the Apollo to the second time at the Apollo. Mm -hmm. And so what were the formative experiences between the first and the second time that led to the, the different results? Okay, so to be clear, we're talking about like 30, 30 years <laughs> now that I think about it, right? Right. I was 17, or 17, I think, 16 or 17 when I was booed off of the Apollo stage the first time. Um, and I'm in my 40s now, so that's a lot of life, right? Um, I, when I was at Howard, I realized that it's possible to be a professional musician um, because everybody that I was in school with was either already making money doing that or they were setting themselves up. I mean, people... It's almost like a little bit like Berkeley, like you come through because somebody snatches you up to go on tour or you come back and, you know, it's just like, sure. or maybe you never come back. Um, but that's where I learned that it is possible to earn a living um, making music. And then uh, I got married and had a son, I have a son, <laughs> um, took maybe about five years off from doing anything music related because I had realized that like for me it was very hard to jump back into music while trying to figure out how to manage a newborn, mm. a toddler, a five you know, it was just I think in in retrospect it was, it was more difficult because I wasn't clear about what exactly I wanted to do with my music. I knew that I didn't want to play weddings. <sighs> Paco Bell's canon. Really? Yeah, that, that doesn't just set your I soul know, on fire? I know. No. I know. It's blasphemy what I'm saying as a cellist. <laughs> for playing those eight notes for however long it takes the bride to come down the aisle. Mm. This is not for me. 
right? You might keep the lights on once or twice, but if you can avoid it. At all costs. Yeah. And it's funny because when I, I was playing weddings, and in order for me to want to play weddings, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just, I knew somebody that would um, create uh, um, quartet versions of pop music mm-hmm. um, in a, for very inexpensively. And so I decided that my little quartet, Mosaica was what it was called. Mm-hmm. Not Mosaic, but Mosaica. Mm. Mm. And we only did pop tunes. And if you wanted a song, like, I don't know, we did uh, Wagon Wheel and Wonderwall and like all, we did, we did many things. Sure. Boys to Men, like, but um, I was not, we were not playing classical. It wasn't even if you want to show, if you want to pay us more, then we'll, you know, but I was, I started, then I didn't want to do it. So I started charging more because it was like, I got to make it worthwhile. But then I realized right. even charging more, people are going to pay, right? But I still don't want to be there. And that's not the kind of energy we're talking about. Energy, that's not the kind of energy you should be bringing to somebody's wedding, you know, a disgruntled cellist band leader. Just mm-hmm. like you know, jaded and disenfranchised. I'm just here for the money. Yeah, you and know, the shrimp. we finish our last note and then we get up and go. Like we never did that. That's rude. But you, that's how I felt. Like I just want to get up and go. Um, and I know that not every um, event coordinator is, um, or every bride is a Zilla, right? Mm. But enough of them are that that's why we charge what we charge. <laughs> Charging for pain and suffering. Yeah. <laughs> It does. It's not always like that. Like, I have worked with some really phenomenal event coordinators here um, in North Carolina, um, but it just it just was not. I felt like this is not what I'm meant to be doing, you know. So I stopped playing for uh, probably about five about five years, and then um, my relationship shifted, um, my marriage shifted, and I needed to support myself um and I know how to do that playing music um so that's when I started playing out and playing at little you know like a pizzeria there's this place in Durham called Rockwood and I'm in this corner a place probably about as big as this right or uh Six Plates was another place in Durham that uh was a wine bar and it's a little bit fancier um, but on certain Thursday nights, they would have the game, and the game would be on, and the television was right above where I was playing. Oh, so, you know, we're paying dues, Irregardless Cafe in Raleigh, I used to play over there. Um, I mean, God, so, so many places. I, I played at, a, I was playing at Brasa Brazilian Steakhouse the night that I got, um, a voicemail from Cirque du Soleil inviting me to audition. <laughs> oh man! And but that was as a result of your record, right? That was a result of the record, yeah. Because I had um, had done an interview. Um, uh, it was WNC, or this, I don't remember what the what the show was, um, but it was it was the story because it was syndicated on NPR. Mm-hmm. And, their talent scout in uh in Vegas heard me talking about releasing this record and he did a little research and found the music online and singing and playing cello and they invited 
need to audition for a part that is equal part singing and playing. So I was there for five years playing for the show um, Ka at MGM. That was interesting, living in Las Vegas. Yeah, and being <laughs> in a huge world-class production. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. with like, the, I mean, the level of artistry across the board, the tech, technical side, the sound team, lighting, and the artists, um, stage manager, like everything is at this like level that's just, I just was not, I hadn't been privy to um, before, before that experience. Yeah, you learn what it's like on the big time. Yeah, so now, of course, you know, I wear my sunglasses all the time. I'm like, do you know who I am? I, what, what do you mean I have to use this Shore SM58? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I travel with my own mics. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, like, you get a taste of what professionalism really is. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I want to work with that. Yes. And there's, there's, like, absolutely nothing wrong with that because there's a lot of people performing at this really high level and I I think that more than anything is is what um, I learned that it's okay to reestablish your bar even coming back home which I knew I was going to move back to North Carolina when I was whenever I was done um, working uh, at uh, working for CERT um, and so in that way it just informed how I wanted to make music uh, in a very clear way at home Knowing that budgets are different, knowing that um, resources are different, but not less. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it, it's, it's like when you, I guess, um, when you go to, not self-help, but uh, sort of empowerment seminars, right? This is what I envision anyway. When they tell you to say, you are, I am enough. I, you know, or maybe not using the word deserve. That's still like a weird word for me. Yeah. Um, cause a lot of the world feels like deserve is entitlement and it's not always so, but when you feel like you are functioning at this level and what you're bringing to the table is a, is a heightened level, there's nothing wrong with expecting to be met sure. at that level, you know? This is a bit of Shauna's cover of what's love got to do with it. Ha! Uh-huh. 
so then leaving Ka and saying, listen, I, I, I just need to do the, the Shauna show. It's the Shauna show. Mm. Yeah. And, and you're busy. Like, yeah. So you're an electric violin shop like I am part time. I'm kind of less than part time. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> you, like, seriously, I'm part part time. So we're excited to have you whenever you can be there, but it's not, it's honestly not a lot because you're out no. and busy a yeah. lot. Yeah. So what is, if somebody says, Hey, Shauna's coming to my town, I got a chance to see her. What, what should my expectations be? Um, so the expectations should be that if you have children, I probably will have gone to your child's school. Because that's one of the things that I always ask, uh, at least I ask my agent to inquire about first, um, our outreach opportunities. Um, and the reason why I do that is, um, A, because when I was little, we didn't have a lot of experiences and interaction with musicians, with, with, with artists that are making art for a living. Um, and when we did, you know, it was like, balloon tying and you know somebody's grandfather bless bless his heart uh mm. coming and doing some it's just some corny stuff it's like what is happening here why, why i'd rather i'd actually rather be in class learning something than yeah. sitting here with this foolishness um but also because live music it's been my experience that so often you know there's an age barrier you can't bring your child to a live concert if it's at a bar where it's 21 and over. And the things that prohibit um, children from being able to know what a live music experience is, to know how to, how to be, um, how to participate and show up as an audience member, um, those things, no, when are they learning this, right? Um, to know that it's okay to clap for a solo, mm. right? After you see this musician like playing their tail off, in the show, and then it's okay to say, oh, that was dope. I appreciate that, you know? Um, so, yeah, so outreach is a, is a large part of what I do um, when I go to any, any place. Um, but the actual performance, <laughs> we laugh a lot. <laughs> um, I, the musicians that I surround myself with... Um, are primarily jazz musicians that have, it's almost like they're like a, like multilingual, you know, um, their main language is jazz, but they have some serious sensibilities and awareness of other, um, other genres, um, whether it's world music or, and pop, um, um, and bluegrass, um, and, folk or roots, um, and, or I should say, and, or gospel. Like there's, there's a lot that informs how they play because I don't write one particular type of music. Like, you know, I just wrote this song. that's kind of like gypsy jazz ish and I definitely need accordion <laughs> and, um, I need gypsy jazz guitar that or maybe banjo. Not mm -hmm. sure. Um, so you have to kind of be multifaceted in that way. Um, but I talk about the stories that are in the songs. I kind of, I preface, I don't preface everything, but, you know, I have a song about divorce. 
And if I never said that, you wouldn't know that that's what it is. And then there's some moments where I just let people just, you know, come to your own conclusions about what the song is. Um, but I find that the conversations that we have, um, you know, it's like talking to me, like, I don't know any other way to be. I don't have a stage, Shauna. And then, uh, you know, just focus on, hey, you know, um, this is me on stage. So, yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> and you're going to have to sing a little bit, too. I do make people sing. Oh, crowd participation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, crowd participation. <clears throat> it's a thing. We get to clap. Only on two and four. Okay. <laughs> Only on what two happens? and four. What happens if they're laying at nope. one and three? My we positions stop this show right here. are good. At, they're good enough that they'll coordinate flip to it. flip it. Yes, yes. Did you see the video where Harry Connick yes. did that? Oh yes. my goodness! Oh, he I had this like, little smirk on his face. Uh huh. <laughs> it's the best. For the listeners, it's uh, Harry Connick, obviously an iconic piano player, mm -hmm. jazz piano player. Uh, was doing a concert, I think, in France, and the crowd was lighting him up on one and three. Man, they were just, they were just, they were. In, in the video, you see, they're just happy. They know in their hearts they're doing the right thing. Mm. And he gives this little like smirk to his drummer, mm -hmm. and he plays a five-four measure that flips the whole thing, and they're all now clapping on two and four, and they are completely unaware of what he has nope. done. And you see the drummer in the back of the video, like pumping his arms in victory. <laughs> That's the best. Yeah. That's the best. Yes, because there is nothing more distracting than than a one and three clap that should be on two and four. Lord of mercy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't usually ask people to clap. You know, when you hope your <laughs> because arms you're are wide, you're like, come on, everybody. Arms up high. No. Nope. That's not a... That's not a... No. Mm -mm. Sing, but let's sing. And what I've noticed... Is that people, especially if the lights are down, people are with the singing. Mm. I'll ask for harmonies too, and somebody will inevitably do that. Which, which lets me know that community singing is not a lost art. And that's not just in North Carolina. In North Carolina, I mean, we sing a lot. You know, mm. this is, we got, we got... Church on every corner. Church yep. on every corner. We got, you know, Blue Ridge Mountains. We got, we got, we got porches. Yep. <laughs> People people sing with each other, right? But other places in this country, um, it's just so awkward. It's almost like people have forgotten that it's okay to sing with. It's okay. Come mm. on, let's do it. Try. You'll be happier. You shave years off of your life. Sing. You don't have to be good. No, just sing. You can do it. This I can't sing is like, no, I didn't ask you if you sing well. I just asked you to sing. You can do it. Let's go. Five, six, seven, eight. Time. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Well, I did give you a heads up on this one about um, taking a tune of yours and let's do a, a bit of a deep dive on that. Okay. So November. Let's deep dive on November. <laughs> Interesting. Yet useless fact about November is that um, a, a few months ago, um, I had the pleasure of singing November um, in the company of the couple whose wedding I was playing at that I wrote about in the song, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. So the lyrics, the, the song November is what I call like a 38 day love story um, because 
we met on the 9th and the whole song itself is really just like a, a page from my journal, right? Sometimes it rhymes and sometimes it doesn't and it just tells the story of what, what ended up being um, a reflection of missing how I felt, not necessarily the guy that I felt this way about, but like just feeling, just being in love and, and realizing that, you know, sometimes in life, a lot of times in life, you don't realize that y'all want different things until, you know, until somebody says something, right? Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the, I said, uh, we were playing a tune the bride had asked for, um, for when she walked down the aisle and the, the, the tune she wrote was, um, or the tune she asked for was a Roberta Flack, the first time ever I saw your face. So I look in the audience and I see the couple is there and they, um, what number? I mean, this song is old, right? This is what I call a carry with song. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and now I've been playing it, um, I've been playing it since I wrote it. But then when I um, recorded Shine, I was like, this needs to live somewhere. And so the song, again, you know, I told you I like Brazilian music, so it feels a little Brazilian. Um, and it, yeah, it's it's fun and light and seems to be like, I think it's fair to say that that is one of my favorite, personal favorites and one of the, the world's Shana Tucker go-to songs. Okay. Awesome. So yeah. now we'll listen to it. All right. A classic case of seeing you across a crowded room Except it was a church We were playing a tune that Bride had asked for For when she walked down the aisle And strangely enough the song was the first time I ever saw your face And in the days that followed we discovered our soulmate compatibility You were mine and I yours, no questions asked That's just how it was Then one day all that changed When you called me up and said I love you Greater than the pain of letting go Miss my November Well, my world seemed brand new Because I was loving you And I knew you loved me too And although you're born And I'm moving on I'm sitting here and I'm Watching the snowflakes fall Reminding Only saw the snow as the biggest one big reason to leave. Couldn't stay and watch it melt and turn into spring. Had to get home before it got too deep. It's fun in the coldest month of the year. I found someone to make me sweat. Quicken my pulse and sharpen my senses and silly stuff like that. But now it's, ooh, the date escapes me. As I'm sitting here reminiscing about time long gone, miss my November's. Well, my world seemed brand new because I was loving you. And I knew you loved me too. And although you're gone, and I'm moving on, I miss November. I miss November, November. All the things we used to do.
miss the month I loved you. I miss the month I loved you. I started doing teaching artist work uh, officially in 2015, um, working with Wolf Trap Institute for Early Learning Through the Arts. And essentially what I was doing was um, coaching preschool teachers how to incorporate music into their curriculum. And um, I didn't realize how much I would enjoy working with children. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I was like, you know, Cruella DeVille or anything like that. You know, oh, children. Do I smell children? Uh, uh. You know, it wasn't like that. It's just I knew uh, very early on that I couldn't ever be like a music ed major or a music teacher all the time in a school. Right. Um, and I knew that from when I was uh, finishing my degree at Brooklyn College. I was um, teaching orchestra at Brooklyn Conservatory of Music, or through Brooklyn Conservatory of Music in uh, New York City public schools, um, where their um, budget had been uh, canceled for a teaching position, but they still had all these instruments, and they still wanted students to have some type of enrichment, musical enrichment. Um, but it is there's just something magical about music. Um, and when you see a child, um, you know, just, just experiencing the joy that, that comes from <clears throat> learning through music, learning about music, um, doing something they didn't even realize that they could do that feels good and, and sometimes it's a challenge and sometimes it's just intrinsic to that, that child. Um, the thing that I find the most interesting about teaching artist work is uh, that um, there are more than a few musicians that are like, oh, I, know, I could never do that. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I just, I can't, I, I, I can work with adults. But children, they're like atoms. They're just like all over the place, you know. And that's true. I mean, you know, especially when they're excited about something, it, 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 it they haven't really learned those filters yet. <laughs> no, they haven't. They're just like, you know, they, they they like what they like, and they're very honest mm. when they don't like something. They, you know, I've heard, why are we doing this? <laughs> I'm in the middle of trying to explain something, you know. Um, but the value in in having this these these generations that come after us see that it is possible to earn a sustainable living as an artist, that it is possible to meet an artist and see an artist at the gym or the grocery store or, you know, in your classroom that we're just regular normal people, you know, you don't have to be Beyonce or Rihanna or any of the Justins <laughs> <laughs> to, to do this for a living. And also that there are human beings that are making music, not just pressing buttons. There's, there is, I know more than a few people who I, who press buttons that I could never make the the you know the the landscape the soundscape of music that they that they know how to do I could never do that 
And then they say the same thing about me. They're like, I, I could never play cello like you. So there's a mutual admiration mm. going on, right? But to be able to go into a space and say, we're going to write a song today about um, being in fifth grade. We're going to write a song today about poisonous frogs. <laughs> Kindergartners, we're going to write a song today about you know, going to the beach or the letter B, you know, mm. the retention of not just the song, but also the information, um, math and science and, you know, arts integration is a, is a, a very val- valuable and valid thing, um, that I want to perpetuate as much as possible. Well, that's why we teach our kids the alphabet song. Thank you. Nobody learns the alphabet like this. A, B, C, D. Right. No. Everybody knows A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then you get to H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Right, right. L, O, P. L, M, O, P. Yeah. It is, um, I, I wish that, I mean, it actually is a, is a, a mission for me to find a way to, um, at least plant the seed for my colleagues, um, that doing teaching artist work, being a teaching artist, teaching artistry has value to more than just the kids, you know? I mean, it's another stream of income for me, to mm. be clear. Um, and it and it doesn't have to be corny, you know? It doesn't have to be the corny stuff that we grew up with. I don't know right. why. Maybe not we. I don't know. Some people might have had some bomb. My mom was an elementary music teacher. Uh-huh. I'm well aware of the corn factor. Yes. <laughs> Not your mom, but... Oh, yeah, mom's corny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Michael Rowe, the poet of shore. She's probably listening, and she knows. She knows. Oh, my gosh. I got a chance to meet um, Ella Jenkins, and she is, like, the mother of children's song. Like, she's got um, Smithsonian um, recordings and... Um, there's a documentary that I don't think it's out yet, but, um, she just, she has, has informed so much of my, um, process in taking a very simple concept and presenting it simply, um, which is a complex Mm. concept, right? When you have to break down, it's not, not easy, but I had a chance to meet her in Chicago a couple of years ago, um, and it's almost like meeting, like, I mean, I don't know. I never met Prince. Um, I bet you I would feel the same way if I met Bill Withers. They have very different different personalities, I understand. But just the icons of, of my influences um, as a songwriter, whew, that was one of the best days of my life. Yeah, Ella Jenkins. Mm-hmm. I will, I will, I also want to say this about, um, equity on the stand, on the bandstand, um, because there are, t- what I, what I'm realizing about myself, um, as a woman band leader, um, is that there are times when I can't tell when I'm not thinking about it, like if it's always like an undercurrent or like I guess the active versus the passive but Mm -hmm. it's always a thing 
Um, someone said to me recently, um, yeah, so you, um, yeah, it was yesterday. Somebody was like, yeah, so, um, I think it's important that you, you continue to show up because there's not a lot of women in jazz. It was a man. And I was like, oh, but there are, <laughs> but there are, there are. And the fact that you're saying that just lets me know that there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of um, building awareness of the women in jazz um, that are not just vocalists, you know. Um, <clears throat> so I think there's great representation in vocalists. Yes. But you see a lot less in instrumentalists. Yeah. And so asking the question, why? You know, like it's it's not like like there is a gene for playing jazz better or a chromosome for playing jazz better, you know. Um, the same uh, Southern California tour, uh, very excited to say that of the four people in the ensemble, there's only, there's, there's Christian Tambor is the only male. <laughs> Katie Thoreau is playing bass, Shira's at ten and is playing drums, and I'm doing what I do. Um, and it, it's not a conceptual thing, it just, these are women that I know that are amazing players. Um, and it's almost like, like it has to be a thing, but it shouldn't be a thing. It's not a thing, but it is. Mm -hmm. um, I think that um, for me, whenever, whenever a woman comes up to me after the show and they comment on just watching the leadership and um, how um, subtle but present band leading is um, and how empowered they feel in watching me do my thing, right, without using words like bossy, <laughs> oh God, or um, uh, diva, or um, slave driver, <laughs> or um, the B word, you know, like, mm. it's very interesting what the dynamic is and what the, what the dialogue is surrounding um, uh, women-led ensembles. Um, but I think the more that, that we see it, um, the less it will be, uh, a surprise, the less abnormal it will be. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I wish I could speak to whether or not that's a thing in other genres. Um, I just find myself in the jazz world, um, most often. Um, and rock, they're almost non-existent. Really? I mean, look at look at the top hundred rock bands. How many of them had any women in them? Like none. I was on, like, I'm still like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Now I did see, I saw Orianthe, uh, a female guitar player, mm -hmm. at Nam a couple of years ago, and she was sharing the stage with an unnamed male guitar player, mm -hmm. uh, who is a very big name, but I will not name him. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was way more of a diva than she was. <laughs> way more of a whiner and complainer and just a B-word than she mm -hmm. was. And then she proceeded to smoke him right off that stage with her guitar. It and is, that is not something that happens very often yeah. in the rock world. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's just so interesting to see, um, you know, 
to to watch how excited people get um, over women on the stand. You know, like, oh wow, you see this female bass bass player. Look, you see this female bass. Oh my gosh, it's a girl girl drummer, girl drummer. You know, like she's probably in her forties. Yeah. But okay, you know. And I can't tell you that I don't get excited because I'm just like, I want to know who are you? Who who are you? And like, I'll, I went to a Jose James concert. Um, he was doing his last, very last um, uh, Bill Withers tribute. Um, and, he, and he had a woman bass player, woman drummer. And I was so excited when he announced their names. Like, I was like in my seat trying to figure out who is this person that's playing with Jose, Jose James because I don't know because she's awesome and, you know. So, I guess I say all that to say that, um, you know, if there is a fight to be fought as far as um, gender equity on the stand, um, I'm here for it until it becomes a normal, a normal thing that we don't go, oh, okay, look at it, okay, like, just... Well, nobody bats an eye when you see an all-male band. Mm-mm. The Beatles, which we just assume. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then Heart comes out or, or some female band and it's, oh, well, that's, that's a female guitar player or a female bass mm-hmm. player. And mm-hmm. the fact that we need to, we feel like we need to point that out is indicative. I won't say that we shouldn't do that because I think it helps representation, but it's indicative that that's the first thing that we're, you're, we're not there. Yeah. yeah, that you're pointing out or that your default first thought is that it's a concept, not an actual right. thing. Then yeah, we still got work to do. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, and that's why I think networking is important. Uh, mm-hmm. We we do our annual fiddle hang at mm-hmm. the NAM show every year. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the second one. <laughs> annual. It's yes, annual. It's, yeah. it's annual. And it's we invite all the players that we can find to come, and like y'all need to meet each other mm-hmm. because I think those it's like oh I didn't I didn't know about you, and so now I'm gonna look you up and like oh. We should totally collaborate, mm-hmm. and and that's done. I think there's so many meetings that happen that way, and that's you know why do I hire the players that I hire? Because I know them. Mm-hmm. You know I I can't hire people that I don't know. So or I think that, somebody that knows the person that is. Right. It's still network. And yeah, that's why the network is so important. Mm-hmm. And it's I think the more female players we bump into, the more you're going to find the better chance you're going to find one that really resonates with what it is you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I will tell you that um, the two best sound, Mr. Soundman, mm. in addition to violin extraordinaire, the two best sound experiences that I've ever had, there was a woman that was running sound. We could go down a rabbit hole of reasons why. I don't know. I just know that when I, like the nuance that I needed and what I needed to hear and my cello sounded like cello, my voice sounded like my voice in the monitors. She's rare. Mm. (laughs) It's rare. It was great. And I was like, and at that, you know, at that point I was like, I see, I wasn't as, I mean, Beyonce hadn't, hadn't done what she, you know, with the band at that point. Or maybe she did, I don't know. But I was like, I, I, I want to see more of us doing what you're doing. When I record a, um, an album, I know that there are recording engineers. Like, I know that is not a prerequisite or a requirement that recording engineers are male. 
I know this, right? So where are we? There's the network. We are, we are out, we're out here, you know? I just, um, I think that there is, uh, there's something, um, you decide what it is that you need, you know, um, and then find it. And if it happens to be like, like at some point the world will get to a norm in terms of gender equity, where it is not weird to have a woman running sound, you know, or a woman recording, mixing, mastering your album, producing your album. It's happening. We here. We here, child. Mm -hmm. Slowly, mm -hmm. but the more we, the more we stand on the gas, the more it's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Slowly but steadily, I say. Yeah. Awesome. Well, tell people where they can find you and where they can get your stuff. So, um, I stay on Instagram. <laughs> um, Shauna Tucker, S-H-A-N-A-T-U-C-K-E-R, um, is my handle on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, my website is shaunatucker.com. Uh, YouTube, um, just type in Shauna Tucker. You'll find me. Chamber Soul also gets you there. Um, and all my music, including my vast featuring Shauna Tucker's, um, Shine is on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, all the places. It's got all the things, you know, just, just find it. You'll, you'll be happy. Look her up, you'll find her. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for doing this. Yeah. Thanks for finally, finally. How many yeah, times right? have we been trying to do this since like 2017? Oh, wow. Yeah, you should have been like episode four. What are we talking about? Uh, well, well, you've been on the other side of the microphone. I you've have been asking been. questions. I have yeah. been. So this feels funny and kind of weird to be on this side of <laughs> <laughs> this side of things. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, thank you, and uh, hope y'all enjoy. Okay. Man, that was awesome. I hope you enjoyed our time with Shauna Tucker. We've got some really fun stuff planned for you this year. Some big names, some really interesting cats, and at least one theme hour where we talk to some of our old guests and hear some funny stories from them. Stay tuned. We will see you soon with another rock star violinist. It's so beautiful to be home And it continues to go For you and for me so We're good on levels and everything. I have it closer to you because Heidi makes me do that. <laughs> Okay, she's like, less of you, more of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and then I say it's stereo, pants. so okay. I am wearing pants. My <laughs> <laughs> God, I was like, thank you, Heidi. Bless you. Thank you, Heidi. Oh, my, my God. My wife keeps me reined in. Yeah. There's no telling where I'd be. Oh, man. Okay.